A classic MFT. Yeah. I'm sure Justin Bieber probably didn't notice. This was make or break big industry weekend. That seems to be my impression of like parties <laughs> at Coachella. These are dropping A-listers all over the place here. Slow down. We'll come back to it. <laughs> Our own compound security <laughs> to get in, you know, close stage. Literally sit. Come on. You're Tom Hanks. Sam turned to me and did exactly the same thing with his yeah. head and I was like, Ronaldo! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the MFT podcast. As you know, MFT stands for My First Tour, and this is the podcast where we discuss the rookie errors and hard-learned lessons of a touring band today. I'm very lucky to be joined by two fine gentlemen, each with a wealth of experience in the music industry and beyond. They are both worldly men, specifically with a flavour for breaking new ground in the culinary world. Sam hashtag broke the internet recently when he revealed to his 10,000 followers on Instagram a secret recipe for making Greek yogurt in your dressing gown. Greg caused a stir when he theorised that the real purpose of having a slice of lemon with your cotton chips was to dissolve <laughs> any bones lying in wait. Very good. You sticking to that, Greg? <laughs> It's the truth. The truth will set you free. <laughs> Very good, Kevin. I like that. Gents, obviously we um, the, spoke a lot about Glastonbury and a couple of the major festivals last time, but is the thing that I've wanted to know, is there a big difference between playing festivals here in the UK and elsewhere in the world? If, you, if you're growing up going to festivals in the UK, and I guess we kind of cut our teeth originally about doing festivals in the UK. I thought we knew what festivals were. Then you go to Coachella and it's this pristine, you know, nice grass. There's not a bit of mud around, you know. But then suddenly, you know, you're at uh, Tea in the Park in uh, in Scotland. And it pisses rain all weekend. And it's it's amazing to be there. And, you know, being from Ireland, like we expect a bit of rain sometimes we can deal with it you know it's not pleasant but you know we know the crack with that but then you're sometimes at these festivals and they're big artists or artists from say america and they're just like don't get it you know and i'll never forget one year we played tea in the park and yay sir we're playing maybe just before us or just after us but whatever way it worked out we shared a van to drive back to the dressing rooms because the, the stage was a bit far away from the I have no idea rooms. what you're going to say. You don't <laughs> remember this? And I can, <laughs> I can remember driving one of the guys from Yaysair getting everyone's attention just to being like, oh my God. And we all looked out the window and um, between the van and the sort of festival site was like a fence. One of those sort of like chain link fence. So, it's, you know, you can see through it, but you couldn't walk, you know, it, 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 it divides things. <laughs> but um, obviously, you know what a fence is. Um, Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> just wanted to paint the picture here. And uh, there was a girl sort of leaning up against the fence, um, her, leaning her bottom up against the fence. Oof. And bits of the skin were obviously coming through. Oh. The holes in the in the chain link fence, a flesh and mesh, a flesh mesh, and she was doing a poo. Oh. No, <laughs> and we're yeah. back again. And oh. we're back again to poo. And 
you know, you just would not see anything like that at a festival in America. Oh, I was not expecting that. But just, it was amazing to see these guys who'd come from New York, I think, to play this gig in Scotland. And I don't know if they'd been to Scotland before, or I just love this idea that that is now their, their lasting memory of coming to Scotland. The fact that um, this one was sponsored by a drink tenant, I just wanted to ask, does that, like, if, do you have a rider at a festival? And because it's like sponsored by tenants, like, is it you just a fridge full of tenants? Or do you get still get your fancy bottles of rosé or whatever it they is? Probably, yeah. When you're starting Depends out. how high up the bill you are. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> yeah. When you're starting out. And at that time, I remember drinking tenants because I seem to sort of remember at the same gig, sort of slagging tenants off in a, on stage over it's the microphone as oh. a kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. That's really and then bad. realized, what am I doing? These people probably love tenants. Yeah. Um, my dad my dad was a public relations manager for tenants. Was he? Yeah. Didn't anyway. do a good job on me, I guess. No, he didn't. <laughs> but um but, yeah. and that year at Tay in the Park, that was uh, the year the World Cup was on. Because I remember uh oh, yeah. it was the World Cup final Which the one? day we played. Must be twenty ten, yeah. Yeah, twenty ten. Oh right, nice. So um obviously we're just like praying that our gig lines up nicely for us to get a good spot to watch this backstage. Um, mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, there are a lot of other bands in the backstage looking to watch it. So we got there a little bit early to try and settle in. And I think we were probably second or third row, were we maybe? Or, yeah, I think we were second row. We got in there. Yeah, and like the, in the, there was like a VIP area, like the, by the dressing rooms, there was like a, I don't know, somewhere to get drinks or like the catering and they had set up a TV and a few sofas for people yeah, to watch the we, game. we got a sofa. That's how early we were. We settled into a nice sofa in the second yeah. row. Uh, waiting for this match to start just as, just before kickoff, like seconds before this big dude just bundles in with like earpiece and just like tells the lads in the front row to take a hike pretty much. And they, they did not question him. Let's just <laughs> right. say they were straight up and out. And, uh, do you know who the were these? Was was this another band? Probably, yeah. Or just randomers? Didn't, didn't recognize them, like, but yeah, I guess they probably were, or they were crew members or something. Um, but you know, they'd gotten there early and they'd they'd reserved their spot. This this big oh. dude comes in, it's just like, no lads, not today, move on. And then all we were like, what is going on? Like, I, like that's sly, that's so sly. And then all of a sudden, Jay Z just walks in and sits down. Oh, wow, with two of his mates, <laughs> and we're like, all right, fair enough. Wow. And it was like the slickest the thing power. ever. He just like, didn't like look around, just like walked in, sat down, starts talking to his mate, bent over with a cap on, just like watching the World Cup final. It's like, <gasps> we're watching the World Cup final with Jay-Z. This is crazy. And in, in, in the book. Oh. <laughs> Obviously very different experiences from these New York artists of Yeser and Jay-Z of their experience of, of Scotland that day. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yes, that's the sort of thing that's that, wild. that only happens in the summer for us. It's like these little weird surprises. Like professionally, so obviously prof- like professionally in terms of playing a gig, is it business as usual or is, there some, is it different for you in that front? I would say like in terms of our performance, what we do, we kind of keep it pretty similar, you know, um, kind of get up there, do our thing and, and, and get off again. Um, but yeah, it is different obviously because you don't get a sound check during the day or anything. You just sort of rock yeah, up. Yeah, it's a bit more... Uh, Someone plugs in your guitar and you're just going to go for it, you know. That's why you need to have great crew and we're lucky that we do, you know. 
sometimes you can get there and if you don't trust the guys who are setting it up then it can take sometimes two three songs before you're kind of in the groove and making it sound good mm-hmm. um and at a festival you just don't really get that luxury you know i think there's always so much on and other artists and great people that people could go and see that you kind of have to grab them from the beginning yeah there's always that bit of uh friction on uh festival days sometimes backstage like on the stage so it's 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 very much a battle of the stage managers sometimes. Like if there's a, a headline, well, it yeah, if there's a headline act uh, with with very strict, uncooperative crew who just take up all of the backstage, it can be very difficult for our guys and other people's guys to like get you know the risers in place, which is the stuff that you 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 wheel onto the stage with all the amplifiers and all set up on them. So the guys during the day will mm-hmm. will set up the risers with with all our gear. And they'll all be ready just to move on as soon as we're ready for changeover, you know, half an hour before our showtime or whatever. But a lot of the time, these big acts might have, you know, tons of stuff back there, loads of video screens, loads of instruments, everything. And they'll just be like, no, lads, not today. You're not using any of those, you know, no space for you to do your stuff. I I can't stand that. Yeah. I can't stand I remember filming you guys in um, a beautiful festival in France. And uh, you guys were playing, and Blink182 mm. were headlining. And mm. then I was, like, I was really excited because I was a, a big Blink182 fan as a young lad, never seen them. And then it was this thing called Stage Lockdown. Yeah. And where no one was allowed on stage. And I was used to being with you guys, filming you guys, like, no, mate, I'm with Two Door. And they're like, Stage Lockdown, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and we had to get a special pass. Your yep. wonderful tour manager at the time sorted me out with this pass uh, to allow us onto the stage. But what is a stage lockdown? Nobody apart from like touring crew with that particular art- artist is allowed on the stage. So they'll have their own little passes and they'll yeah lock the stage down. I think in theory, sometimes it makes sense where if you have a lot of gear up there, there's no room for anybody to stand. Or if you are a, maybe a headliner and it could just become like another viewing platform on stage like just like hundreds of people there trying to watch you which we've seen happen like and it can be a bit off-putting to yeah, other, other people not for us <laughs> <laughs> it can be very off-putting and people be in the way of the crew guys who are trying to do their job you know so sometimes it's fair enough other times when bands aren't that big you're a bit like get over yourself you know mm. yeah we have had it before where like we were headlining and people in earlier than us have done a cl- what they call a closed stage mm. and it's been the like, same yeah, thing? catch yeah, yourself same thing. on you know same thing but um yeah i, I do get it and, and and the other side of this is it doesn't sound good at the side of the stage you know you're behind the speakers you know it's not how people want it to sound not how it's supposed to not how they intended it and i guess from a band point of view it makes sense as well because sometimes as sam said you know other gigs are happening, you know, later in the day and people are setting up their equipment for that, like behind the stage, behind a curtain, basically. And sometimes when there's nothing worse and more rude, I find when you're playing your show and you can hear someone behind you at the sta- back of the stage somewhere, you know, tuning in a drum, being like, doom. Oh, yeah. Doom. You know, it's like. Not cool. It's uh, very disrespectful. So I, I know a lot of people sort of do that and be like, just no one can go back here and then no one can fuck anything up basically um, well you, you can what? only really demand it if you're the the headline yeah, act the big cheese it may not sound good but at least it looks good for the ground yeah. <laughs> which is the whole reason to go 
<laughs> it always seems to be as well, the people that have the closed stage also like to have the compound backstage, which is where they have wow. their own little dressing room area within the dressing room area, which usually has its own little security guy on there and you have to have a special pass to get in. So our lowly like artist backstage passes wouldn't allow us access as if we would want to. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> you know, sometimes you arrive at a festival and whoever's headline it's already been set up and you're like, okay, that's just the vibe here. Um and, you know, a lot of people request it to be like that and I get it, fair enough, if you're Foo Fighters or someone or a massive, massive band, you don't want people being able to just walk up to your dressing room door and be like, all right, yeah, can I have a photo? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so, but we've had it before. We did this gig, a uh, festival in Dublin and uh, the Killers were headlining and I think they maybe already had their own little compound set up and then also playing was us and Frank Ocean and... Um, we got to the dressing room area and, you know, we had maybe two porta cabins and Frank Ocean and his team had two porta cabins and they were kind of beside each other and they were, and it was all kind of, it was kind of set back away from most of the other dressing rooms where the other bands were playing. So it was kind of like not a private compound, but, you know, it, you would have had to kind of be going around there specifically. You wouldn't have just stumbled across it um, if you were in another band. And we were, we were just sitting there. It was a nice sunny day. We were sitting outside having a beer, I think, just chilling out. And then there's a bit of a, then Frank Ocean and his team arrive and they're sitting around and obviously they take one look at us. And then like five minutes later, there's a bit of a commotion of these local festival people who worked for the festival. They're coming in and they're like, you know, measuring, looking around and like, what's going on here? And it's so awkward because we were just sitting there and they were sitting outside their room and we were sitting outside ours. And then they just put up this meaningless fence down the middle no. between us. We were like, uh, this is so awkward. It's so, yeah, so obvious you've seen us and gone, I don't want to be anywhere near there or there. Or maybe it was nothing personal. That's so embarrassing. But it was so embarrassing. A lot of the time that sort of thing. It's just so embarrassing. And, and you do sometimes think, oh, it's maybe just the tour manager. You know, the guy that's sort of in charge yeah. of the whole touring party. Yeah. Is trying to make it make a job for himself to look important and to feel valued for the artist, you know, trying to make them, you know, you know, I think a lot of the times you can say it's that, but I think you have a niggling feeling as well. A lot of the time it's like it's people just wanting to feel important or more important than other people. Oh. Um, and it's the assumption that we were going to really, really care yeah. that Frank Ocean was here and we'd be bothering him all day. Yeah. The autograph you know, book had we to go just away, like, I'm afraid. What? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Sam uh, had One his, empty his, space his there t-shirt for that Frank he bought Ocean. from the merch stand, ready, <laughs> yeah. to, get, ready to get signed, and Very he had to good, put yeah. it back in the suitcase. <laughs> I forgot to ask about that. Was was Rachel happy with that autograph? She loved it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen her wear the t-shirt, or I haven't seen it since. But yeah, it's a nice gesture. All right, mm -hmm. lovely gesture. Um, who is the um? You've I I I know for a while. You almost had a, like something was going on with um, Joey Barton, the footballer became a fan of your band through festivals, right? He was at Glastonbury the year that, not the Smiths, uh, Morrissey was playing. Morrissey? Yeah. And he was there to see Morrissey and he was backstage and I was with our tour manager at the time and he was like, oh, that's Joey Barton. I was like, who's that? And he's like, oh, he's, um, 
he plays for like I don't know who he played for at the time. Plays football, probably Newcastle, yeah, or QPR. Then he played QPR yeah, was a bit later. Yeah. I think it maybe was Newcastle. I was like, oh wow, like Premier League football. That's cool. I don't know what happened. Somehow we maybe got chatting or something, but then turns out he came to one of our gigs one time. We got talking and stuff, and he came again. And next time <laughs> after the gig, got a text from him that was like, uh, "Oh, if you, a, if you have a free bar anywhere, let me know." I was like, "That's fantastic!" <laughs> like oh, straight to the point. Yeah. Straight to the point. Wow. Uh, Any other footballers? Yeah, Joey Barton was definitely the most uh, famous footballer for a while. Until a couple of years ago, we were uh, in Brazil and uh, we were playing a festival there called Lollapalooza. Hmm. We were playing our gig, we were on stage. I think I noticed it first. So sometimes the crowd, it's like a split down the middle by these like, um, call it mojo barriers, like barriers that sort of split the crowd all the way down the middle. It's kind of like crowd control. And sometimes they have security standing in the gap. And then sometimes they allow like VIPs or whatever to watch from there. It's a good way to get to like the sound desk and things like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we're playing the gig and I, I look up and I'm like, no way. Is that, is that, that is, that's Ronaldo. Wow. That's the Ronaldo. El phenomenon. Yeah. Or, yeah. The Brazilian Ronaldo for any, wow. uh, for any millennials listening. Uh, the original and um, I'm playing the gig and we can't talk to each other during the gig we have like in-ear monitors that you know we can't really speak we hear our, our instruments and stuff and our microphones whatever but obviously you can't really say over the microphone there's Ronaldo because then obviously everyone <laughs> in the crowd would be like oh. yeah. um, and that would be a bit unfair so we're playing and, and, I, and I'm trying to, I'm looking at Sam and I'm like motioning with my eyes and then like she, she pointing with my head being like mouthing Ronaldo and he's like what he couldn't and then we all had realized and then it was the best thing it just it clicked and Sam turned to me and did exactly the same thing with the head and almost like Ronaldo (laughs) amazing I love that. I love that. And I also, I, Alex won't have given a shit really. (laughs) No, not at all. I, I love that as well. One of the greats. We, I think it was last summer we were, um, at a festival and um, we had a maybe we got there the day before the day before and we were staying in this hotel and we were in the hotel bar having a drink and the table beside us because he was obviously going to the festival was Nicholas Bentner <laughs> Lord <laughs> Bentner if you will so, Lord yeah. Bentner yes yeah. all the greats so all the greats and yeah. you said Ronaldo was the biggest <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow yeah obviously you've been playing festivals for 10 years or whatever. What's the fanciest treatment you've ever received at a festival? Go, to going from, I guess, carrying your kit to your tent from a rental car to... We headlined um, like a one-day festival in London. Uh, when was that? A couple of years ago, 2018 maybe, um, called Community Festival. That was the best ever. Um, we had our own... You know, it's funny how you, you know, when you are not the headliner and you slag people off for things and then suddenly you're the headliner, you're like, fuck it, I'm having that. <laughs> <laughs> Our own compound security to get in, you know, closed stage. No, corrupted. Uh, yeah, corrupted by power. Um, but just like we had our own water tank, just water just for us. Nice. And um, for our own showers and bathrooms and all. And um, it was great, you know, just had our own compound. It was lovely. Everything was great about it. And it was uh, 
and Sam, did you still live in London at the time? Yes. I can't remember. We all lived in London and the gig was in London. So, you know, we turned up, we, we got, I got an Uber, an Uber X from my house. Nice. I just walked in the front door with everyone else going to the gig because no one knows what we look like. We are the faceless band. So <laughs> just got to walk in and sort of walk around all these people really excited and, you know, knowing that it was our name at the top of the bill and really nice compound dressing room. Everything was great, you know, that was lovely. See, I wouldn't have thought of that one. What would you have thought? Um, I can't think of one specifically, but a lot of the times at festivals backstage, there will be like a masseuse and a hairdresser. Oh. All the uh, mod cons for the traveling musician. So, um, which is great. Like, it's one of those things, like, especially getting your hair cut. It's one of those chores that like, you never quite find time to do in the summer if you're doing festivals. So you just take a risk. I was going to say that. that that could, yeah, I was going to say a risk. It, it sounds dangerous. Yeah. Let me just quickly get this head haircut before the headlining set. <laughs> I mean, Beyonce no. isn't exactly going into this to the hairdresser to have a blowout or anything. No, you it's, know? it's mostly mm-hmm. just me and uh, yeah. The bands who are first on and all the stages yeah. in there. A lot of roadies. So you guys are, are pampered. You, oh, you are the pampered the, artists. No. There's more here because some places... Some festivals, some are a lot better than others. They have what's called artist gifting. Uh Uh-oh. And what is that? Artist gifting is when you go into a room and there's a load of free shit (laughs) if you want it. Always free vans, free Converse, free Levi's. Nice. Just like never one in your room. size and never in a colour you want <laughs> unless <laughs> you're there on the very first day. Um, but I, I, hands down the best one. Do you remember that time, Sam, we were at Lollapalooza in Chicago and it's like a city festival. So it's kind of like the main Lollapalooza for all of them. And it's in a big American city and like the branding is so... The brand partnerships are like out of this world, you know, there's so much money changing hands there. But the gifting suite, you know, I remember walking out of there. You're not thinking, will I? This is a good point of when you're experienced, you've done it more. You start to then not take the free stuff because you start, you do question the whole, will I ever use this? No, I won't. I'm not going to take it. This is just going to end up gathering dust in my house. But initially you're like, (laughs) do I want a pair of binoculars? Yes, I want a pair of binoculars. <laughs> yes. Do I want a pair of ludicrous headphones, as in from Ludicrous? Yeah, I do. Do you remember that year we did Lollapalooza and there was that branded party in the Hard Rock Hotel, Kevin? And it was, we had been to this. Vaguely. We'd been to this. Didn't a guy, no, someone died before we went in there. Oh my goodness. I remember we were about to go into the hotel and some guy got hit by like a, a bin lorry, a garbage truck. Oh, I just and died. Oh, out. Out. Just out the front. Yeah, out the front of the Hard Rock Hotel in Chicago. Oh my God. Uh, obviously didn't kill the party vibe anyway. at the time, but uh, <laughs> we no. we were told about this party up in this Hard Rock Hotel room and we went up and uh, wasn't there like... Stepped over the body. Yeah, we... Selfie with the... Sorry. Yeah. Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we went into this room and... and, and uh, I remember there was an area in the room that we tried to go into and people were like, oh no, no you can't go in there. And you're like, well, why not? It's like, that's Lindsay Lohan's in there or something. They wouldn't let us in like wow. this room of the party. Come yeah, on. That's right. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, wow, all right. This is bizarre, but cool. We're in a band. Technically, <laughs> we've in. partied with Lindsay Lohan. Technically. Yeah. yeah. 
We didn't, I can't really I think that I'm accepting that. We didn't get turned away from the actual party. It was just a room, wasn't it, that she was in or something mental? It was like a big hotel room suite kind yeah. of thing. Did she we, come out of the room? And then I think she left and then we were obviously free to roam. Yeah, they let too many uh, commoners in and then she left, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we had a great party night in there. That was fun. And then I remember the next day we were going to do some press and it was, I think it was for Fender or something. And we had to do this acoustic session and we were like, oh, it's in the Hard Rock Hotel. Ha <laughs> We were just there a few hours ago partying, you know, as we did back then till the early hours of the morning. And uh, we turned up and I go up, it's like, oh, it's on the fifth floor. It's like, wasn't that where that room was? It's like, yeah, yeah, it was on the fifth floor or whatever. <laughs> Got there, it's like room, whatever. It's like, oh my goodness, we've just been here like four hours ago. And it's like, and, and it, it, cleaned it, 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 it had just, yeah, it'd been absolutely turned over by the maid, like incredible, pristine. It was like, did this party actually happen or did we just imagine the whole thing? <laughs> it was like, wow, so <laughs> But you do get some like, mad treatment you know sometimes like in terms of they look after you so well like i remember the first time we went to uh south korea the gig we had to fly to seoul and then we took another flight to somewhere else where nearby where the festival was happening and uh i love that that's your segue into this story it's like i remember at the time <laughs> thinking what the gig's not in seoul it's like no, no, no. Yeah. we we have to go to yeah actually <laughs> it was like I don't yeah. remember it being nice treatment. I remember thinking, we have been totally sidelined here in terms or blindsided. Just like we thought we were. We probably didn't ask. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a half an hour away from Seoul. We're thinking, oh, it's just a drive. And then you're like. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They took us in this van just across the runway. And it was like, oh, no, no, it's a, it's a flight away. We're like, what? It's like, yeah, get in this plane. We booked you this private plane. To take you to the festival. Nice. Tiny thing. And when people say this private tiny... plane, I, I, I can stress that it was not like a jet that you would imagine our pal Jay-Z is flying around in. This is like... There's no beds or anything? No. Oh, this no. is like something that, oh, I don't know, you'd fly at a local flying club or something. Yeah. and <laughs> But that did not stop us from doing a photo shoot in front of it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> on the you know, oh, yeah. on the runway. So many photographs. But... Obviously, we had all our we had loads of equipment with us that had come on like a, you know, like a seven four seven or something from London to Seoul, like a big plane. And here is it on this tiny little propeller plane, mm-hmm. which we didn't know about. We were a bit like, uh, and I remember all our equipment and our suitcases and all didn't fit in the hold of this small plane, so they were putting them on the back the seats in there, mm. and it was just like we we're gonna die. We were terrified. We were gonna die. Um, and so, but that didn't stop us getting on, obviously. And I remember we were on the plane and there was a, a local DJ who was also on the flight with us. He was also playing at the festival. And I remember just trying to, uh, you know, getting chatting to him and being like, oh, so have you, have you done this festival before? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was here uh, two years ago and last year. Last year was very sad, though. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And he was like, oh, the gig got closed down. Like last last minute, like middle of the day on the first day of the festival, we're like, what what happened? And they're like, oh well, it's on a beach, and they spotted some North Korean submarines in the water, right, wow. right, right by the festival. And then he told us, oh yeah, it's right on the border with North Korea, and we were like, what the fuck are Serious? we doing? And then so the plane lands at this tiny at this airport, and there's there's not a single person at this airport. 
they, someone turns <laughs> up in a van, unloads the gear and drives up and we had to walk through like the, the, the terminal or whatever. It's like, you know, you know, when uh, they have the lights on automatic sensors, as mm-hmm. we're walking through, the lights are coming on. Like there's no one there. They open this entire airport. It must have been like a Sunday afternoon us. or something that's closed. And, and they did the surreal. same journey on the way back through Seoul. Like had to fly from that. It was three check-in desks open thing. just for us. It's <laughs> so weird. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And the whole, you know, the whole, um, the screen with all the flights, there was just one, which was Very ours. strange. Uh, and I appreciated the, the, the time they'd taken to actually put our flight on the screen. Obviously, considering that we were the only flight and that we would probably not miss our own <laughs> private flight, but <laughs> mental. Alrighty. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we really appreciate it. If there's any topics that you are dying to know more about um, that concern specifically the world of touring and musicians, then uh, please get in touch. We're on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find us at MFT Podcast. Yeah, thanks again. Ciao for now.